And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muadib. Paul, how are you doing? Do you feel it when you touch me? Paul, I'm going to stick it deep inside because I'm loose. <laughs> yes, I, this week, uh, Paul uh, dodged a bullet with the, <laughs> the, the shit list. Uh, and we went with a Stone Cold Classic, a 1970s uh, fun house by none other than the Stooges. The Stooges made up of Dave Alexander, the brothers Ron and Scott Ashton, and one... James Newell Osterberg Jr., otherwise known as Iggy Pop. Well, <laughs> let's kind of just start. Uh, where, one, what are your first thoughts? And two, your thoughts on Iggy Pop and maybe where you was first introduced to him. So, <clears throat> um, let's let's start with my, like Iggy Pop and where I was first introduced. So, my first true introduction to Iggy Pop, I had no idea. And that was through the adventures of Pete and Pete. <laughs> Classic show. Classic, Classic show. show. And he was um, Trackenberg's dad as a guest star. And, um, <laughs> and the I did whole, not know that. <laughs> yeah. And, and the episode revolves around him, like, not wanting to lose his daughter, you know, and being like this overly clingy parent. And at, at the end, they're at this dance at, like, middle school. And he's, like decides to get up and sing a song about trying to dance with his daughter and mortifies her and ever, oh it's just it's great um so that was my first introduction to iggy my second introduction to iggy was the crow city of angels i think you're catching a theme here it wasn't until i got started working in our high school and i started hanging out with these girls and this and this and this group of really um eclectic music people that were into like you know punk proto-punk um goth you know all this stuff um and i was introduced to my friend um christy this actual album and because we were kind of playing music together a little bit at the time and oh my god like it blew my mind and i've been a fan of iggy uh, and this really the Stooges, but Iggy mostly, um, ever since like, yeah, he to me is definitely one of those, like he's in my, I mean, he's a fuck up, but he's, he's in my musical idols for sure. Yeah. He's amazing. My introduction was probably yeah, the Crow city of angels. I don't know which came first that or, uh, the train spotting soundtrack. Oh yes. Because, uh, Lust for Life was huge in the mid '90s because of that soundtrack, and that was, God, that's a, it was such a fucking great song, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then it was packed with the Crow soundtrack. And on the Crow soundtrack, I believe for City of Angels, he has a lot that he had a live version of uh, "I Want to Be Your Dog", dog. on there, mm-hmm. which is God, that's phenomenal. And then wasn't until you know I liked that, and it wasn't until probably around 2004. 
five or four when media play was going out of business in St. Cloud. And mm-hmm. I picked up the deluxe editions of their first album, The Stooges and Funhouse. Dirt cheap, like the yeah. double CDs. And those like just blew me away. Just just how wild and insane and uninhibited these albums with the Stooges are. And Iggy's always kind of like, but like he has such a diverse music catalog. And oh gosh, yeah. You have this, and then you have poppier stuff like China Girl. Yep. Which yep. was like a huge hit. Bowie, like, you know, he worked with David Bowie. He was, uh, he, he, I mean, like, I, he worked with the B 52s. Back in 2010, I think, he, I believe he did like an album all in French. It was like a jazzy French album. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like he's all over the map. Like, so he's just, he's a fascinating guy to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, going back to the train spotting thing, I remember that as well. That was like a big thing because I was I was in the newspaper. I was in a montage, and that album was played constantly. That that the, the first album, and like I think it was six months later, the second album came out. There was two Train Spotting um, soundtrack albums, and I remember listening to um, uh, Night Clubbing, and thinking that was a newer song <laughs> written for 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 train spotting and the fact that he's the one that originally wrote china girl and I, the story i understood it was it was mostly him improvising it he didn't sit down and read like that was just him improvising the lyrics and he so he essentially farted out china girl which is absolutely nuts because that was a huge hit not just for him but for Bowie. Yeah. And he had a big influence on Bowie too. Let's also bring that up. Like if it wasn't for Iggy, Iggy and the Stooges, especially by the time there, I don't think there would have been a, a Ziggy Stardust. No, 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 there wouldn't have. You're absolutely right. I don't think there would have. Yeah. I mean, him and Bowie were like tight. tight. <laughs> and I they both uh, moved to Berlin to kick heroin together. Mm-hmm. Like unbeknownst to them, that uh, Berlin was the heroin capital of the world <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Whoops! Oopsie! <laughs> Oopsie! Um, yeah, and I, um, I I know that just recently he was given um, a lifetime achievement award, um, and I uh, I believe it was was an idiot um, that was like his album, The Idiot, where like outside of the stooges like that's the one that like every fucking new wave artist was like this is the grail this is this is it um and so yeah i mean the sad thing to me though is i don't think because of the way music has gotten so sanitized now we'll never get another iggy no and that's got we'll get into it because not only will we never get an iggy uh on a major label you'll never get an album like funhouse yeah and so I, just to preface, before Iggy became a huge superstar, he was in a little band called The Stooges I, with uh, two brothers and another guy. They're just a bunch of, you know, podunk stoner acid heads from Michigan. From Michigan. I love how the Midwest just creates whenever like something from the coast come to the Midwest, we seem to soak it up and make it even more fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, we and, do. Oh, we're good for that. 
Yeah, like, you know, like, they have the long hair and, like, they're burnouts, but, like, they don't buy into the hippie bullshit. <laughs> or, and they're not pretentious like the East Coast with the velvets, you know? Like, the Stooges were just, like, in your face, like, heavily inspired by, all you know, a lot of rock and roll, but especially their uh, brothers in arms of sense, the MC5, mm-hmm. which was going to be the other pick. It was between Funhouse and Kick Out the Jams by the MC5. But I nice. just... I, because, you know, Detroit has this weird, <laughs> it gives us, uh, you know, Alice Cooper and Iggy and the Stooges, and it gives us the MC5, but then it also gives us Ted Nugent and Kid Rock. So I know, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Detroit is either, like, either it, like, it's very polarizing, in, in either, like, you're you're a Kid Rock or you're a Ted Nugent or you're an Iggy Pop. Like, it's. There's there's not a lot of like gray area from what we get out of Detroit. Yeah. I mean, uh, Eminem was from was from Detroit, right? Yep. So is yeah. the insane yeah. clown posse. Yeah, ICP from Detroit. Yep. Absolutely. But then we also have the White Stripes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Detroit and Midwest man. We uh yeah we we take what what's out there and we totally for the successful ones flipping on its head. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, this stuff's coming. So they start a band called the Stooges. Originally the psychedelic Stooges, they get signed to a label. They need to, they want to make sure it's all right because, you know, they're kind of inspired by the three Stooges. Uh, One of the Ashton brothers, I believe calls up Mo Howard. Asking him (laughs) if it's okay if they go by the Stooges Mo Howard says, I don't give a fuck what you call yourselves as long as it's not the Three Stooges. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, they do their first album and, you know, critically panned, commercially not successful. Not surprising. This is this is one of those things where uh, this, the Stooges didn't really get their due until decades after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they get some, like, at, with raw power a few years after this, but not really. They don't get the recognition until the bands they influence start coming up. And the bands they influence is wide. It's a wide it's spot. Wide. You got, lot Jack, of White, you got Jack White. You got the you know, the Ramones. You got you got Metallica. You got like all sorts of these You got Susie bands. the Banshees. Susie yeah. the, Yep. The Pesh Mode, Nine Inch Nails, Joy Division. Yeah. Like you yep. got the Goths, you got the punks, you got the metalheads. Mm-hmm. All like you know, it's like beeline with this influence of the Stooges and especially uh, Funhouse. I would argue a lot of great, a lot of these albums that people we grew up with would not exist if it wasn't for Funhouse. Completely agree with you. Yeah. Oh yeah, you hear a lot of influence. Like I was listening to this going, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. Rage Against the Machine, like. Mm-hmm. Pretty much yeah. rips off TVI, and we'll get into that. But yeah, absolutely. But yep. yeah, this is a you know this is the start of their career, and I what I love about it is that these guys are just fucking. It's just magical in that you know they're not the most technically proficient players, Mm-mm. but no. they make it work amazingly, and that's that goes like when. I think a lot of people get intimidated when they want to start bands. Be like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not on the technical prowess of like all these like greats. It's like, you don't have to be. Yeah. You no. just have to have imagination and 
the the imagination to make your skills and flaws work in your advantage. And that's what the Stooges I'd argue with, especially with Funhouse, they managed to do it very well. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh no, they absolutely own it. They own the. Fa- I mean, Iggy knows he's not the most proficient singer. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, this is not the best bass work I've ever heard. Uh, it's not the most uh, a technically sound uh, guitar work. Um, the, there's there are mistakes by the drummer all over this album. Yeah, um, but it, it works, <laughs> but it works, and it works fucking well. Yeah, and so like music. But uh, str- you know, people wanting to start bands and stuff, you don't have to be the best. You just got to have the will to do it and the imagination to make things work. And look no further than Funhouse, a lot of other bands. You know, I could not say like every shit band out there is going to make a great album, but it can happen, people. <laughs> like yeah. you can be the best musician in the world and make the worst album I've ever heard. Yeah. It's happened. It's happened. We'll, we, we, we'll be bringing up more examples. We've brought up examples of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is their the Stooges' second album. They go to L.A. to record it. Uh, prior, you know, so John Cale, like there's all these weird connections, but John Cale, ex-Velvet uh, Underground, produced their first album. That got uh, Iggy introduced to uh, Nico. Yep. They were friends and hung out, and, <laughs> you know, it's just this wild confluence of uh, acts. And then they come out here, and uh, Iggy kind of has two influences, and that kind of spills off to the other guys. And I don't think you'll be surprised when I say which they, which ones they are, Paul. Howlin' Wolf and Miles Davis's Bitches Brew. No, I'm not. No, not even. Not not even. You hear a lot of bitches brew on this. Oh yeah, people, guys who you would not imagine would be making jazz in the middle of chaotic rock and roll. Yeah, there is a lot of jazz influence on this. No fucking question about it. Yeah. 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 Yes. Oh, they. You know. So this is the second album. yeah, they uh, is how they recorded. It's interesting. They each day they go in the studio. They do one song and they play the song all the way through. Not a lot of bands do this, but the Stooges did it for this. And that they didn't do false take, false start takes, half takes, just to get a specific sound. They played the song all the way through and then picked which take they thought was the best, and then that's when they put overdubs on it. No. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they destroy the studio to get the sound that they had making this album? If yeah, I'm not they pulled mistaken? down. They pulled down a lot of the, uh, uh, I guess, like the soundproofing stuff because okay. it was like not getting the sound they wanted. Because their live shows were insane, and they, oh yeah, they were not getting that sound in the studio. So they started taking that down. So the interesting thing when you're listening to this, you can hear the bass rattling the drum kit which you mm-hmm. really never hear on studio recordings because nope. it's like they're normally the drummers will be isolated or you know that's it's just like yeah it's very rare to like take down the soundproofing stuff and think the separations that most people in the studio do but they wanted a live raw sound and that's kind of how they got the sound on raw power or not raw power but funhouse so what yeah and i think this is something that 
I personally and why I, I I think I love this album so much is, you know, I think you and I, I know I did. I, were you there when it was Incubus, Black Sabbath and Pantera? I was not at that show. OK, you were not at that show. So I that was the first time I saw Pantera live. And since watching it, the only Pantera albums I can actually listen to are the live albums anymore. Because you don't get that sound. And this is a thing like, you know, I mean, Java Joint, you used to go to the punk shows at Java Joint, didn't you? Every now and then. Java okay. Joint, Java Z, yeah. Okay. And I was like a Java Joint kid. I was there all the time, um, every day. And I would hang out with, you know, people and everything and then go to these shows. And um, this is the kind of sound that you got. This was like real punk. So for me, like, you know, getting into punk through live music and then finding the 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 albums being like God, you're not getting the sound and this is something that i think i absolutely love about this album is it sounds like they're on stage and you get that energy like they're on stage that you just don't get on albums anymore no yeah and we really didn't get it back in the day either you know like this Ooh. is one of those rare ones where the studio album actually matches the sound of their live show but like again they had to do unconventional ways of recording to get that and i'm sure mixing it was probably a pain in the ass oh i have to imagine mixing was a bitch <laughs> yeah i'm sure mixing this was a bitch because you're getting all sorts again like they had the basses rattling the drum kit so that's getting picked up by the mics and all that but it kind of adds to it because this track one to tr track seven it's fucking it's a lot it's chaos but it's, it's chaos. beautiful 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 chaos like oh man i just love it it's just like this is like so when people you know you see music critics and they'll call an album like balls out in your face rock and roll like my barometer for that is funhouse yeah it's not where you're near what funhouse is it's not really balls out in your face rock and roll paul no i'm with you it's not it's not. And I think that's why, um, you know, the Black Album got a lot of attention because it was filmed in a way where it sounded more live and more gritty and had that had that take on it. It had that, some of that warmth, that depth. And that's what I think is phenomenal about this album because you can – and you can also tell that he's not using a pop guard when he's singing either. You can hear a lot of times – where he's popping his T's and his P's like you would be live on stage. And it just adds to it. Like it, you would think it would de detract, but it adds to the energy that you're grabbing out of this album. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, that's kind of like the beauty of it. It's a warts and all. And yeah, we'll get to the track track. But another thing I just want to say is like, I love what I love about it. It's, it's you know, the rhythms and, all that are pretty simple it's just what they build over it is like it's so insane like mm -hmm. on paper this album neither you or i would should like it no right <laughs> like on paper somebody wrote down this is well this album sounds and this is like the most you know basic bass lines and all that and like no oh, i wouldn't want to listen to that yeah <laughs> so on paper it doesn't work but in practice it absolutely does and this album like, there's a lot of things that I have bitched about 
from previous podcasts that you've done about previous albums that I literally should despise and hate this album because it hits a lot of my pet peeves, but it's done in a way that I'm like, son of a bitch. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it happens, man. Sometimes just, it goes against everything you believe, but you just like it. That's, that's the beauty of art, you know? And this is, uh, this is one hell of an album to be doing our 100th podcast on, Paul. It's our 100th episode, Sarah. Yeah. Episode 100. Well, of all of our podcasts, you and I have been doing 100 podcasts. Joe, we and we've missed some weeks, right? So we've been doing this now for over two years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A lot of us just talking our bullshit, Paul. Yep. Between Twin Peaks and music albums and you coming in on a... On, uh, and I'm not even counting cast that movie. That's that's not even included in that. And you were on a couple episodes of cast that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a good way to bring it in, Paul. Bring it celebrate 50s because or 100th episode because this is one hell of a doozy. So let's start with the opening track, Paul. Down on the street. Down it on the street. Sets the tone for this album because I also have to. This album's wildly different from their first album. Mm-hmm. First yeah. album was a collection of like poppy songs done with attitude. And this is just like, nope. Nope. <laughs> We're not going to do a, I want to be your dog and I'm not going to do no fun in 1969. If you listen to 1969 and 1970, the difference is crystal clear. <laughs> very, very different. Um, and yeah, and it opens right away with like, the, with, you know, with the guitar and, 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 and the drums and then Iggy just off key screaming, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right away you're in for something like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, and it got the riffs on this album, Paul, the riffs and this song, and we'll get into it because they're just like, they're catchy mm-hmm. and they're, yeah. they're catchy and distorted and dirty the lyrics, especially, you know, lyrics don't make a lick of sense. Nope. Doesn't matter. Eggie's just screaming. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and again, I should hate this because this breaks, you know, it's just, it's a lot of repeat of the same shit. There's not a lot of depth here lyrically. And, you know, that's one of the things I always say is, you know, that's a downside to this thing. But he's just screaming and yelling and it's more of like a, like, if it's like Tom has vocals as a compliment to the other instruments. Right. Like screaming is like, is, is part of the music. It's not like the music isn't focused on the lyrics, which we a lot oftentimes have mm-hmm. when we're reviewing these, like the music compliments what the lyrics are saying this time, the lyrics are, the vocals are complimenting the le- the music. Right. So Tom York and Radiohead were very, you know, I, I mean, Really, it got to the point where people, Tom York started to realize that most people couldn't understand half his lyrics. So when it came through um, Kid A and Amnesiac, he started spouting nonsense on purpose to use his voice to just compliment what was being done. So if there is the complimentary side of Radiohead, Iggy Pop in the 70s, you know, 40 years beforehand, was using his voice as a dissonance to go with this savage rock jazz punk yeah. pro- a proto-punk fusion yeah and let's also say 
I'll just uh, say there would be no Kid A and Amnesiac if there wasn't Funhouse. No. Not so the way we know it, at least. There wouldn't be a lot of things. I mean, I hear in, in I hear da- fucking Misfits and Danzig all over I, this. I also hear uh, mid-70s Rolling Stones on this. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. if you listen to Exile on Main Street, that feels like that was inspired by, I, I don't know if it was, maybe it wasn't, but, you know, who knows, but it feels like there's Stooges moments on that album. Oh, I could definitely see Mick Jagger and and Keith Richards sitting around going, you know, Mick, <laughs> they're pretty <laughs> good at this, but, you know, I think we could do it better and, you know, make it a little bit more poppy, make it a little bit more sexier, you know, but we could take this energy and really go with it. What do you think? Like, yeah, I can totally see them doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. So down on the street again, it's mm-hmm. the lyrics don't make a, a lick of sense. Nope. No, nope. the chorus is he's just yelling no walls. Yeah, <laughs> no walls. The riffs are wild. Like it's just like, yeah, at you come on, pow pow pow. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Then we get to loose. Now, <laughs> I, I am going to say something. So there is obviously, a, you know, I always come at things with some of a negative. So. Um, and, and it's not because I am a negative, but this just reminded me of an experience that I had when it went to the second track. I, I got a little scared cause it'd been a long time since I heard the album and I was like, fuck. And I think I've told this story once or twice, um, over the years in the podcast, um, that there was a show that we were playing my band, um, many, many years ago, um, well over 20 years ago. Uh, at this place called Cheap Thrills. I think maybe you remember what that place was. Maybe you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like this head shop, thrift shop, but they also did music on the weekends. And our band would perform there from time to time. And we were asked to open for two bands from Minneapolis. And we're like, yeah, of course. We'll fucking do it. And um, there was a band that like the first song was like, was kind of like, it was very much, you know, pop, you know I mean? Like, like punk, you know, influenced, not necessarily by the Stooges, but just kind of that thing. And like that first song, the whole audience was really into it, including, you know, us. And then the second song came in and we're like, okay, that sounds a lot like the second or like the first song. And then the third song, you went, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to be this over and over, isn't it? And there wasn't a lot of variations with the riffs and things like that. Um, However, the one thing that I I was like, no, I know, because I knew, you know, there's different riffs on here. But going from, I think, loose and um, um, down on the street those two are kind of almost interchangeable. Do you do you agree or disagree? Yeah, but yeah. I, you know they kind of complement each other too. Yes, so. yes, yes, they do. Uh, I'll stick it deep inside. <laughs> I'll stick it deep. Well, you know, it's kind of almost like they know this music because the first verse is, "I took a ride with the pretty music. I went down and baby, you can tell. I took a ride with the pretty music. Now I'm putting it to you straight to hell." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, we know what Iggy's singing about here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, we know what Iggy's talking about. Because mm-hmm, it's love, yeah, I do believe. I'll stick it deep inside. 
because I'm loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sure are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the riffs and, on here are damn good. Are yeah, they are. Good. Good. And then we go from that, probably my the guitar the guitar riff here, uh, we go into TVI. Oh, so good. And so again, good. heavily influenced Rage Against the Machine. By, mm-hmm. uh, Sleep Now in the Fire is very similar to this, but I would argue a lot of Rage's riffs are very much inspired by a lot of the riffs on this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I, I love TVI because TVI has <laughs> the false end. Yeah. Yeah, that false end is great. And the riff's awesome. It's like, and it goes chaotic, and then you think the song's over, and you you breathe a bit, and all of a sudden, yeah, it comes right back. right back in. You could tell that that Dave Morello is a big fan of Ron Ashton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I just love like Iggy's voice on this one. She's got a TV. Like oh, it's just so dirty. Just. All the all the songs just feel so dirty and gr- grimy. Like you're at a you're at a party with a bunch of fucking stoners. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're out of their mind on the heroin. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, high school years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You know, we. I mean, I was in a a very short lived. Um, punk band that would perform at a house um, on the weekends. Um, and it would just happen to happen. They had like instruments and things down there. And one night we were like, hey, do you want, you know, like, hey, I hear you. The guy was like, hey, I heard you play guitar and sing. I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I play drums. And my buddy was like, uh, another guy was like, hey, I play bass. And we just started playing and people started coming downstairs and it was the worst punk ever. I mean, it was bad. It was bad, but everyone was so fucked up, drunk and on drugs that it became the thing. Like we would perform like around 10 o'clock at night. That was when we were going to play. So people would come down and listen to us do punks, you know, make up punk songs and do punk songs and do terrible covers of punk. Oh dude. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, wasn't nearly as good as TVI, but it reminds me of that energy. Yeah. And that's the, the energy on this album is, is very like, you know, you know, we'll throw, we throw around punk and metal and like, cause you know, those, those have a very aggressive energy and this album has that, but it captures it way better than almost all those other albums. Like mm-hmm. all the other punk and metal albums we've discussed. It's just, it seems like all these bands have been trying to like get Recreate what, this. Yeah. Get what, get that vibe that somehow the Stooges were able to replicate, which is a genius that I don't know ever can be or will be replicated. No, I don't think it can be. I think it's, especially it's a, that moment in time and where these guys were all at in their heads, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just, it just, you know, sometimes there's just that magic at a specific place and time in the world. And these guys just happen to be there at the right spot in the right studio with the right engineer and the right producer. And they and captured it, just captured it. And yeah. They captured it, magic lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And then, because then TVI goes at like, so there's, I have two super faves on this album. The first one now is Dirt. Yep. You shared that in a group. <laughs> I love this song. And on, uh, on Facebook. And yeah, the bass that has that hypnotic, the hip, it has this weird hypnotic, uh, all, like amusement park bass line. 
Yeah. You know it, what I mean? It's like very creepy. It reminds me of honestly Sid Barrett, Pink Floyd era. Yes. Like yeah. this, like, like, like a Roger Rogers, Pink Floyd, but like you get out of a Pink Floyd, you know, a band or yeah, a like psychedelic pipe, band. Like a baseline, but if you took, it's like you took the, the riff from Lucifer Sam. Yes. Piper, and you put it right in the fucking middle of Interstellar. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. Yeah. Just that bump. Bump, 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 bump. But it's a little off. Like, it's a little off. And and it's, it, it's, yeah, it's, it has that Lin, David Lynchian creepiness to it. It's, yes. And that riff is just off, and you're feeling very just like, I'm kind of like, you know, a little worried. <laughs> yep. And then you get that from the guitar coming in, and you just go, Oh, oh, this is something. And then and then you get the juxtaposition of the way Iggy is singing the lines is fantastic. Oh you know? and then like the, the the guitar effects on this too is just mm-hmm. you know, they have like the, the zippo going across the strings with the echo. Yep. Yep. Like, you know, very you know, Sid Barrett-ish, you know. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And there's a but little bit of wah like, in there and, and phaser. But it's so du- it's done in like a creepy way. Like if this is like music you'd listen to in hell. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this is like bad acid trip music and it's wonderful. It is, yeah, because and I, I I know it doesn't sound like it'd be great, but believe me, and then then you got Icky going things like, Ooh, I've been dirt. <laughs> you know, like, and, <laughs> yeah. and I don't care. And then he's back to the kind of the soft, the ooh, I've been dirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's blurring you in on these things, you know, and the way he's singing burning, you know, because I'm burning inside. Like, oh my God. Yes. Yes. It's so good. And you got like the organ going a bit. Fuck, mm-hmm. oh, man. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like that bass line, just again, like, you know, you rep repetitive, but it's like, that's why this is like where it gets called kind of jazzy because like you, you got the backbeat there and the, the rhythm and the, yep. the riff, and they're building off of it and they're going like all these different places musically and it's it's fucking wild man that baseline is so fucking creepy the baseline is creepy and then what you have is you have you have the baseline that's that that's creepy you have the guitar work that's like kind of the psychedelic jazz then you have the drums that's also jazz but it's also that got that psychedelic you know yes and um that progressive the yes that mixed with like the hard rock that doesn't go with it and then again you have iggy going from actually singing to like getting into the fight you know and and the, like when he gets the touch right you know and there you can hear that pop like there's that you don't get that in music because everything's so you know you're taught not to sing in you know, certain ways you know where you don't make the hard t's you don't make the hard p's you don't make the hard b's and he's breaking these rules and he's Basically, I mean, there. This is the quintessential why he is called the Godfather of punk, yeah. um, because you don't get much more punk rock than this. Just doing whatever you want to do, combining all these genres that legitimately should not be going together, and it's a seven-minute opus of glory and beauty. Exactly, and it's 
yeah, it's and it's long and it's jammy and it's beautiful and it's just like man, and it really makes me. I'm sure there's music being made like this today, but I, you know, it's hard to find. Like, and mm-hmm. labels aren't going to put them out and streaming. You know, you got unlimited music. It's just hard to find it. But like, it's just, I miss this kind of shit, man. Like, yeah, I do too. This I is do like, too. You know, like when Zappa talked about like the studios back in the day, like they didn't know what worked, so they just put everything out as mm-hmm. a, you know, opposed to what it is today. So, uh, you know, corporate and bean counting and whatever, like there's, you don't get pure artistic raw shit like this anymore. No. No, no. And this is what this is. This is pure raw art coming out. Now, the only negative that I have about it, and it goes through the entire album, is you can definitely tell this was recorded in the 70s. Um, It does have that 70s recording vibe to it. Um, Now, I was, I will admit, I was listening to the non-remastered versions. And then I heard the 2005 remastered version. I will say that um, I sometimes can't tell the difference. Like, I'm like, okay, what did they do there? I do really like the 2005 remastering. I did. I liked it a lot because it gave it a lot more warmth and uh, <laughs> backbeat to it. Yes. Like, you feel the bass more and it has more depth to it. Yep. So I stuck, when I listened to it, I just stuck with the 2005 remaster because that is, uh, it, it does. It, it's a world of difference. It is a really, uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm always skeptical when, uh, when, remasters come out because i'm like oh god (laughs) but this one i heard and easily could tell the difference between the remasterings yeah and so yeah this so dirt is a high one of the my uber highlights i like this is also one of those albums where i like each like every song yeah we don't really run into that very often no no, but this is a sweet album. Again, it has that, you know, what? what is one thing that you and I have been saying the last couple podcasts of? If they kept it to blank number of songs, <laughs> yep. it would be a great fucking album. There's this is not, no killer, no filler, Paul. Th- that's exactly what this is. Yeah. Yep, they didn't need is, more songs. On this. They didn't <laughs> need to fuck it up. Yeah. 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 All right. So now we go into 1970, the sequel to 1969. And this is where things get – so this is the second side of the album, and this is where things get even more chaotic, mm-hmm. more Lynchian, I love <laughs> because you add the saxophone. Normally, I'm not a big fan of saxophone and rock no. music. No, I'm it not. It fucking works here, man. It, it shouldn't, and it does, and I don't understand why, because I am the biggest critic of saxophone in rock music. Um, also, I have to say, this song in particular, this is like the first true punk song um, that I heard. Like Right away, I was like, oh man, this inspired every single punk band, and you can hear, like, Iggy Pop's not, you know, he will be the first one to admit he had a lot of Jim Morrison and Dan Marison um, influence on him. And you can definitely know that the Misfits and one Danzig, a.k.a. Dan Marison himself, that 1970, this was a catalyst for him. No question in my mind. Yeah. No question in my mind. This was, all, yeah, a lot of the, this inspired the next generation to come. Again, so many bands, it's almost, you know, the Melvins, like, mm-hmm. Melvins exist without 
the Stooges? I don't right. think so. You know, like, and this song in particular. This song, yeah, this song in, in particular. particular. And yeah, and then fun fact: the band Radio Birdman. Yeah. Uh, named after this because they misheard the the, the lyric "Radio Burning Up." Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, again, like this is like. There's no uh, calm moment on this album. It just it keeps going and it keeps getting crazier. And it, again, it feels like a Lynchian in that sense with like the creepy bassline. Now with the the saxophone, it's yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, sir. Yeah, no, this one and again, sax and you that you go. Wait a minute, guys, you're talking about a punk song yet there's sax on it. Yeah, no. And it works. <laughs> yeah, it works. It works. And then, <laughs> and then we go into my other Uber highlight, which is the title track "Funhouse." Funhouse. Another, another creepy baseline. Mm-hmm. It's like the spiritual cousin of Dirt, and on the same goddamn album. <laughs> yep. And the saxophone gets even more chaotic on this uh, on the song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like again, like the guitar, like the effects on the guitar. You know, it's it works. It's just like you know, Ron Ashton's you know good guitarist, but like he's able to do more with feel and sound than you know, and that where he works it with advantage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and again, this is another seven minute opus. <laughs> seven minute opus again. Lyrics are gibberish. Lyrics. <laughs> again, lyrics. Don't make sense. Hold me tight, Colin. Colin from the Funhouse. Yeah, I came to play. I came to play. We'd be separated a little too long. Yeah, I came to play. We Iggy Pop was horny. Let's just call it what it is, people. Also, I love this lyric. Do I do I dare to whoop you all with my love? Yeah. <laughs> Every little baby knows just what I've been mean living in division in the shifting scene. What Iggy fuck man? Yeah. It, yeah, it's just fuck. It's crazy, and you know, and everything goes, and then it just goes into the outro, which is L.A. Blues. It's an instrumental, and it just—it's not a blues unrelenting song. Unrelenting of this, <laughs> it's, it just beats you, browbeats you with the insanity. Like it's just—you could picture them in the studio doing what like Nirvana and the who would do you just see him in the studio just fucking destroying shit (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i mean that's all la blues is it's just it's it's very uh, akin to me to um rather than getting a full album of it it's five minutes of uh machine metal noise (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's distortion and screaming and loud guitar and chaotic drumming again like the drumming's all over but it works man like i don't know why i i don't know why it works it works and it's a wonderful like period to this album like yeah yeah. it's not merely a period it's an exclamation point yeah and you know (laughs) again the fact that this came out in 1970 now you gotta understand we're looking at it from in today's standards the energy level is there it's not as crazy as it was but in 1970 i mean i also have to think that iggy pop especially with la blues um he definitely was influenced by freak out 
oh, yeah. <laughs> by 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 Zappa's freakout because yeah. you can hear Zappa's freakout like the screaming and the yelling and the chaotic and the dissonance, but still keeping the drum and the guitar and the things working, you know. So yeah, absolutely, fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, and again, this is like with Zappa. This is this is like a. This is the reaction to the hippie stuff, man. Like mm-hmm. it was just like, no, none of that, none of that shit for the Stooges. Like you had this band, you had Alice Cooper, you had Zappa and the Mothers of Invention, and fucking MC Five. Where it was just like, it just seemed like these bands were like the antithesis of the California Dreamin' uh, San Francisco bands. Like yep. every you know every ba- every John genre and era has that reaction and the stooges were probably stooges and zappa and all those guys were just fucking this is flipping the bird man <laughs> like yeah. fuck you guys well again you have people from you know again in the midwest i think one of the things is you know that you have with those guitar you know with, with those california based you know uh, hippie bands as they were they had perpetual sunshine, man. <laughs> like, yeah, they like don't they have the, like six months of brutal winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't have like like coming out of the garage and having the fucking hurt because of how cold it is and how angry you are from that cold and doing these things and drinking to keep yourself warm. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, no, so you could you could definitely hear the Midwest influence on it. It's kind of like when we did the replacements, like how that was like, you know. The Midwest takes these things and just warps it into something, I think, a little more special. <laughs> like, we, we just find a way, you know. Husker do as well in the 80s and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're in a cold Midwest. You're going to be a little pissed off. You're not going to be all, you know, putting flowers in your hair and all that. You're a little pissed off. Yeah. No, yeah, I, you're a little, you got a chip on your shoulder in the Midwest. Yeah. People wonder, like, like you know, I mean, Minnesota, we have Minnesota nice and things like that. But people wonder, like, man, people in the Midwest get a little cranky. Yeah. It's because seven months of the fucking year is a goddamn hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> and our summers are brutally humid. <laughs> like, we, we really only get, like, maybe three months of, like, good weather Uh, yeah i mean so i mean to give you guys and this is not an exaggeration the other day um it was about three weeks ago i think it was where again we have that new real you know the real feel and it was like 93 up but the real feel was a hundred and fucking seven in minnesota now we also know that come fucking january it's going to be goddamn negative 50 at some point. So we literally have swings of 150 degrees and we live through these fucking extremes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're going to be a little saltier with our take on your, your coastal music. A little bit, a little bit. Well, you guys are singing about, you know, Oh, it's sun, sun, sun. Where the fuck is ours? Cause it's been great for a goddamn month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we have that going for us, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, we got that going for us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, there, like I said, there are, you know, I, I, there are some negatives, right, to me um, with it. it. Again, the production, you can definitely tell 
that it was done in, in the 70s. Um, you know, it definitely has that vibe. Um, I, I, the energy level and everything is amazing. Um, but now, by, by today's standards, by today's extremes and things like that, you know, I, I think it, you know, you just to say, like, I was explaining to my kids, like, this is a crazy album. And like, my kids were looking at me like, why is it crazy, dad? You know, <laughs> like, it doesn't seem all that out there. It's not fucking muffin time and things like that. And, um, you know, so there is a little bit of that, you know, there is obviously from, at least from my point of view, there's a little bit of nostalgia because I, you know, from when I found this album and things like that. Um, but overall, I mean, you, 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 it's, this is, again, you and I have talked about, there is no perfect album, but fuck my life if this isn't getting goddamn close. Yeah, this is close. This is a close one. Yeah. Like my complaints are pretty much on par with yours. Production is a little, you know, 70 sounding, but I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid that from that era, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but yeah, and like, you know, it's, it's chaotic and maybe not by today's standards, but fuck man, I had to start somewhere. And this is like, you know, patient zero. hundred percent. At least one of the patients here. I was like this and uh bitches brew. I would say if you're going to look at chaotic music, that's, you know, chaotic metal, chaotic punk, chaotic hip hop and DJ music and all that. Uh, you can go right back to late sixties, early seventies with miles Davis and uh, the stooges and, Mm-hmm. MC5 and absolutely, and I would say Interstellar Overdrive by Floyd, Interstellar Overdrive by Floyd, and I would say Freak Out by by, Freak Zappa. by Zappa. Uh, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, no, it's there, it's there. Uh, you know, I know people they love their their Led Zeppelins and their this and that. <laughs> and I'm going, no, man, it wasn't like this. It wasn't. I'm a big, you know, I, I got to admit, I am a big proto um, punk fan. And our and um, I you own know, punk jazz and that type of thing. And you know, you you gotta. Th- this is this is really where it started. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you could go back to the bad seeds for sure, but man, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of proto punk bands, but the Stooges, there was just a genius with them that I don't know. There's not a few others that matched it. No, and at least this album. Yeah, this album in particular is just, uh, it laid the groundwork, I think, for aggressive bands to maybe let their hair down and uh, go beyond the three-minute mark, I would yep. argue. Like, I would say, like, you know, like I said, the Melvins, and I would say uh, and Justice for All, like, yeah. going beyond the four-minute mark, you know, Nine Inch Nails, and it's just... <laughs> you know, it's just insane. It inspired Bowie. I was gonna say, going back to Bowie, Bowie going beyond the five minute mark. You know, yeah. with some shit. You know, I mean, I mean, his version of Bowie's. I mean, when you you guys get the chance to, I think a lot of people, at least in my circle, know the Bowie version of yep. China Girl. Not a lot of them know the Iggy version of of China Girl. And the, Iggy version better, but that's just me. It, I and, love Bowie, but, you know. Well, there's – so for me, I look at it, and I I, I I can't take credit for this. I read someone say that the Iggy version is more heartfelt while the Bowie version is more sexy. And I think that's the way it is. The energy level is – it's raw. It's unpolished. And you can tell that, you know, 
the lyrics of what he's saying means something to um, Iggy, whereas with Bowie, it's more polished. It's more si- style over the substance. Um, still great. I, I like both. I like both songs. I like the song in general. I just like yeah, it's it. A great, it's a great song. So. It's a great song. But both of them, I think, have their absolute, you know, um, merits in terms of, and they're completely two different takes on the same fucking song that, again, Iggy just farted out one time in the studio. <laughs> I, he literally farted the thing out. He was just improvising and coming up with these things and writing it on the fly. Like, it's crazy to think about the song that was that huge came from just fucking around in a studio. <laughs> well, that's the magic of Iggy Pop, Paul. Fucking <laughs> A. The fucking guy, man. <laughs> genius gets thrown around, thrown around a lot, but Iggy really is deserving of that title. And again, the guy, I, I mean, he's fucked up. Let's, I'm not gonna, you know, he's th- not the greatest person in the world, Um yeah, you know, and again, he was crazy on stage. You know, with rolling around in glass and cutting himself. He also helped pioneer that whole thing. Um, so you know, but out of a lot of the people that you look at who were terrible around that time, Iggy actually, you would think, would be like offender number one. He is more of the decent ones. <laughs> yeah, he's a. It, it, I think like because his stage persona and all that he kind of comes off as like a goof Mm -hmm. he's a really smart guy man he's a really smart dude and again he has less controversies than bowie did than lou reed did at the time i mean you know but he was more outrageous on stage much like an alice cooper yeah um alice cooper's one of those wild guys on stage he's a smart guy you know like and a sweetheart off stage yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, again, Iggy had his moments because of, you know, the drug addiction and things like that. But outside of that, I mean, you don't hear a lot of controversies like, oh, man, you know, Iggy did X, Y, Z. He did some shit on stage and got, you know, in trouble um, for lewd behavior on stage and things like that. But that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so and again, he was on Pete and Pete. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, you know the the guys the guy is been on you know just uh, he's been nominated for awards all over the years and he really yeah god uh, he needs more he uh, more credit than you know than what he got yeah and has gotten he, i think yeah read 100 on that yeah he's just uh you know he's one of those legends that just you know People should really appreciate now before he kicks the bucket. I I would argue. I'm this. I'm yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. I really hope that he gets another resurgence before he kicks the bucket because he deserves to know that. You know, I think he knows throughout the years, like uh, all these people that he's influenced and all these you know things like that. But man, he is. I really think he is due for another one because I would love for him to be rediscovered by this generation. I would too, like you know, maybe yeah, because this uh, you know, this music, the Stooges music, his solo work, it's just, it's so diverse and weird and good and like, he's done so many different things that it's just it's it's a good well to go down and yeah, you know yeah, 
it's like it's like going through Bowie's career, you know. There's a hundred percent things going on, and you like certain parts better than the others, and all that. But still, it's just it's a rich it's a rich uh, discography to go down to. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, he did that duet with Can- uh, Candy, uh, which is like a pop song with uh, what's her the redhead Kate um, uh, Kate from um, uh, the B fifty twos, and. You know, people forget that, that was done, and it's such a quirky, weird song for it to be this pop song, but it's the only one that really broke the charts for him in the U.S., and that's just a damn shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, Lust for Life, when that came out, that was... That's true. That's true. That was, yep. huge. That was huge. That kind of gave him his his due, at least in the 90s. But that's I right. He, because he, he needs another... I remember the music videos for that. Now that now that you mentioned it, the, yeah. the music video for Lux or Lust for Life, yeah, that was yep. on MTV's rotation a lot. I love that. that's another great song. That drum, that drum, that's a, that's a song where the drum yep. beat and riff is like one of those rare times the drums carrying the song. And, and Franz was it Franz Ferdinand? Oh man, there was there was a band at the time that basically stole those drums. Um, uh, I think a lot of bands stole. Those. A lot of bands stole those drums. Yeah, um, or or was it um, Jet that stole the drum? I think. I think it was Jet. I think it was Jet. You want to go my way or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Now, and that's the other thing. If you guys really want to know more about Iggy Solo, I really think the idiot is. The way to go down, idiot, and and, and lust for life. Yeah, those so, two are really solid. Really solid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's funny. Week. So um, you mentioned the 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 live version of "I Want to Be Your Dog" off the Crow Angels of Sound, um, City of Angels. We covered um, as our band. We covered that song, and that was from my influence. And then we also covered The Passenger, and that was my buddy's Rick influence of Iggy Pop. So here we were in this band together, and we had I had influence from the Stooges, and he had influence from Iggy, and we're doing basically two Iggy, Iggy songs in our rotation. Yeah. <laughs> two mm-hmm. completely different styles of Iggy. Two completely different styles, The Passenger and, and I Want to Be Your Dog. And that, I think, is a phenomenal juxtaposition of realizing – just how diverse yeah. Iggy and the Stooges were. Yeah, they were. I mean, if you go to the next album, Raw Power, and it's like, it's a di- kind of a slightly different lineup, and that's produced by Bowie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's just, you know, it's, you know, it's it's a little slicker and stuff, but it's it has a little you know, slicker. It's a little slicker, but that's, you know, that's glam was getting out there. And, that and that's. Bowie's. Yep, you can hear them slipping into the glam. I was going to say that. Yep, they started slipping in the That's glam a, thing. And yeah, these and three then, Stooges albums. If you go Stooges, Funhouse, and Raw Power, I mean, you're you're not going to go wrong if you want really crazy rock and roll. Uh, the bookends are more poppyish. You know, the first album and like Raw Power, like you have Search and Destroy, Give Me Danger, Penetration, Yep, Raw Power, and, Death Trip, and all that stuff. Search and Destroy is another song that gets a lot of credit and like for influencing a lot of bands. Yep. And not the Metallica Search and Destroy. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah, it's it's, you know, it's Iggy. But like in the middle of those two albums, these three albums, they're eight in the middle. You have Funhouse, which uh, I'm going to have to say, man, it's my favorite Stooges. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. Just gonna go on a limb and say that because it's 
re-listening it for this podcast, it, it sparked my love for it all over again. I agree. Me too. 100%. I forgot how weird and yep. wild <laughs> and just like, it's a, it's a, it's an adventure listening to this album, tr- track one to track seven. And it's one of those ones where you can just, just listen to and just do it. Um, and just enjoy like, yeah, I, like I was listening to this in the car and I was just like, oh man, some of the albums we do is just a chore. You know when I'm, cause again, I have that three rule minimum. Yeah. This one, I was happy to listen to over and over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not, there's not a concept to it. And it's just like the lyrics, like we've just, like we discussed, the lyrics are more gibberish and juvenile just because the vocals are more complimenting the instruments than uh, the mm-hmm. instruments complementing the the subject of the song. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, um, Joe, would you recommend? <laughs> yes, I would recommend it. Uh, you know, this is this is just a really good album. It's it's it just works for me. So it works for me better than you know the first album in Raw Power. It's it's just. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm not even going to put a caveat on there because it's just, you know. Yep. If you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to rock, if you listen to Funhouse before going in, you're going to know whether you like it or not. Yep. I love this album. <laughs> yes, um, I am going to give it a recommendation. I am going to give it a caveat because I give everything a caveat, Joe. Uh, I know, I know you hate it. Just review. Just do it. You go no. on. And here's here's why because we've done a lot of different genres of music. Um, if you're in the more of the popular things, you're in the things you know, the, the slicker things, the slicker things. You know, I, I yeah, you may struggle with this. Like if you're OCD when it comes to music, you may struggle with this because it is not slick, it is not polished, it is raw, and it is energetic. That said, I think dirt overall will win you over no matter what genre of music you're into. You may not get that with, say, Down on the Street or Loose or the Blues, but I think dirt for sure is going to win you over. And I think Funhouse you could get into. Um, yeah, I, I, that's that's it's a small like I said, that's my small caveat. Like, yeah, you should know whether or not this is your style. But I do think dirt is such a genre bender that yeah. that it's it's going to appeal to people that I don't think would think it appeals to. Yeah, I mean, if you go in and listen to dirt and like you're a kind of a. Well, I like jazz music. Well, dirt you're going to like probably. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not slick jazz, It's but it's, you're going to hear the influences of that jazz of that era. Yep. And it's got to, there is pop sensibility to dirt. There is some yeah. pop sensibility to dirt as well. So if you like some pop sensibility, you're going to like dirt. You're going to find it on dirt. If you like psychedelic, you're going to find it on dirt. If you like raw rock, you're going to find it on dirt. If you like punk, you're going to find it. On, like, it's weird. It's weird. You like wild guitar. Yeah. Riffs and solos. And you like weird bass lines, catchy bass lines. And, you know, yeah, dirt was going to have it all for you. Yeah. I do think dirt is the shining fucking jewel in this album. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, again, I, I, Joe, I know we don't say there is the perfect album, but outside of age, fuck, this is a five out of, like, this is a five out of five. This is a 10 out of 10. Yeah, this is, again, it's, there's no filler songs. They're not trying to, you know, it's front to back. It's, it's what it is. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. So yeah, I yeah, I'm all I, I'll say I'm all in. Um so yes, sir. So Joe, um what's going on with the Joe Down? Uh we still gotta do uh whatever. Invincible. Oh yes, 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 yes. Me and Brown were on vacations back to back, so that's right. I saw that. You went to California and he went to was it Illinois? Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is what it was. You went to the East Coast. I went to the West Coast. Yep. Okay. No, good for you guys. I'm not, I I will tell you, I'm I'm planning a vacation in October. So I'm hoping that October I'll be gone for two weeks. Where are you Um, planning on going, Paul? um, We haven't fully decided yet. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, we haven't fully decided yet. But yeah, we're thinking there's going to be a vacation in October, hopefully. Fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent. So I've been baking up my PTO for it. So, um, all right, Joe. Well, do you want to ask me what we're doing next week? Uh, Paul, what are we doing next week? So we had a fan request. Okay. And so we had someone who's like, Hey, you know, you guys should listen to this band. And, um, so, we are going to do the heavy metal band Ice Nine Kills. Okay. And we are going to do their, uh, what's called Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood. Um, from my understanding of, of um, Ice Nine Kills, it's their second album. Um, and what they do is they are horror movie inspired uh, uh, hardcore metal music. So all their songs in some way, shape or form confagulate with either a horror movie, a horror franchise, a horror genre. Um, their first album, um, had, was a little bit more cut and dry, like American nightmare. Thank God it's Friday, which was, you know, inspired by nightmare on Elm street, Friday, the 13th, Halloween, Texas chainsaw massacre, that type of thing. Um, so, uh, with, uh, with this one, it's a little more, um, like cabin fever, child's play, psycho pet cemetery, which I'm sorry, no one, this is, I'm going to say this right now, Joe, no one did a better song about pet cemetery other than the Ramones. It's not going to happen. So fucking give up. Um, but resident (laughs) evil, American psycho, Hellraiser, the fly evil dead. So as a horror fan, I am excited to hear this, um, but I will say that my walls are up a little bit because I am notoriously picky about my heavy metal. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't know much about, I've heard of the band, so I don't know much, but uh, I just have my walls up because the Joe Down took a fan request once. We mm-hmm. had three seasons of Fuller House. Oh God, damn! Oh yeah, no! So, like I'm a, you know. That's how that started. Yeah. Oh gross. Yeah. Oh gross. Yeah. This isn't a, a repeat of Fuller House, Paul. 
Well, I don't think we're going to have three seasons of the Silver Scream. You <laughs> try to keep it to one album and artist. So, um, but yes, no, this was something that was like, hey, you guys should check this band out. And I was like, okay. Um, so, um, you know, it's, there's other albums I want to do, but if someone, if a fan comes to me and says, Hey, um, you know, I'm never going to turn, I I'm, I'll be honest. I'll never turn a fan down. Uh, we I'll put your requests uh, over mine. Um, so that is something that I'm going to throw out there for the fans. Um, I'll tell you something to the fancy. I will never take any of your requests. Here you go. Come to me guys. Come, come, come go to Paul because yeah. I'm just going to be like, yeah, no. Nope, that's I mean, that's fair. Just, just because I'm a prick. I'm not no. trying to be a prick to the fans, but again, three seasons of Fuller House kind of jaded me on the whole, like, that's that fans request. You know, I'll never forgive Joe Brown for that. Fair that's, enough. That son of a bitch. Fair enough. Um, so we'll see where this goes. I mean, yeah, I'm open. Like, I'm open to all music. So it does. Yeah, and the nice thing is, rather than having three seasons of Fuller House, this is only 14 tracks coming in at 47 minutes. So yeah. these are going to be s- short, sweet songs. Um, so it's Ice Nine Kills. Is that you think that's based off of Ice Nine from Cat's Cradle by Vonnegut? Probably. Probably. I'm going to guess that that's where that's coming from. Um, I mean, they are. Um, I got to think so. Um I, I I would think they'd be you know it wouldn't be I think some people look at it and go oh it's a it's a nine inch nails no I don't don't think that's it I think it is Kurt Vonnegut if I had to guess okay um, I I would say well, you're gonna be doing the research Paul yep so I'll be doing the research on that's this. gonna be my first question when we review this <laughs> yep so I'll do some really digging into them um, and trying to figure out more about them um as it goes because again this is a new thing for me um but you would actually be correct already the yep it is the fictional substance ice nine from cat's cradle by kurt vonnegut so i you know what i gotta give credit there's some intelligence there there. you're in a vonnegut uh reference already i'm i'm feeling a little more comfortable now paul 100 percent. i'm with you on that one yep nope i value intelligence over anything so i'm a sapiosexual so there you go um (laughs) joe do you want to take us out no this has been rate that album with paul muadib and joe freming thank you for listening